Well, first of all, good morning, parish families. Huh? So happy to welcome, especially our Notre Dame students here and the families that have joined them. Always a great welcome. Of course, you know, try to be here in Vacaville. One parish family, but two buildings, St. Joseph's, St. Mary's. So again, welcome. And before we dive into these amazing readings, uh, if you also notice, remember how I announced, it's been about a few weeks ago, when a generous parishioner stepped forward and said, Father, your pews look sad. <laughs> because of during COVID, we had to wash them all down and Sadly, it stripped much of the varnish and the stain on the pews. And so he said, Father, I will restain and finish all of your pews for free. And so there's 71 pews in here, and that's hard work, and they're big and heavy. I don't know if you ever try to move one of these things. I can barely move it with one hand. It's, 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 it's hard. But luckily, we're able to move it. And so the first ones are starting to arrive. If you notice, as you leave, or when you first walked in, the first four, when you walked in, has the new stained finish on it, and we're going with a different color, by the way. And so to kind of get a sense of it, the new pews are in the back, and over the next couple weeks, it's going to slowly start changing, and, and I think it will add a beautiful, the goal is, a beautiful warmth to the parish. But it's a risk. Whenever, it's, whenever you change colors, people's opinions come out of nowhere. So. <laughs> but I'll take the hit. I chose the color, so <laughs> forgive me. <laughs> but let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. It's hard to believe, but we're now coming down to the home stretch. Lent is almost over, and the high holy days of Holy Week will be just around the corner. And the, the church's liturgy will shift more intensely. And to mark that visual change, you'll notice all of the priests throughout the world, we all don this rose or pink color. And it's on purpose. When we walked in, you're, you're supposed to say, why, why is Father wearing pink? <laughs> and that's because today, this Sunday, we call it Laetare Sunday. Letare is the Latin word meaning joy. Joy. G.K. Chesterton famously said that joy is the gigantic secret of the Christian. That joy belongs to us uniquely. But why? That Latin word, letare, doesn't simply mean a superficial idea of joy or mere sentimentality of joy or just the emotion. But rather, letare Sunday has a connotation that this joy is rooted from within, that it is deep. Which is contrary, especially through the ethos of the world, if you notice, for all of us, we all want to be happy. All we do, we all want to be happy. We all want to stop feeling pain. If you notice, that's all, that's all we strive to do. And so we arrange our, our lives, we make decisions based on trying to achieve this happiness. 
And sometimes we think, oh, you know, if I, if I just get that college degree, then I'll be happy. Or if I just get that job, that promotion at work, then I'll be happy. Oh, if I just lose that 20 pounds, <laughs> then I'll be happy. Do you notice this? Or, how about this? Or if I just buy that car that I've always wanted. Or how about this? From, the t- from our teenagers in here. Mom, Dad, I just want that phone. Get me that phone like my, my other friends. Then I'll be happy. <laughs> But you notice this idea of happiness. The goalpost always moves. Because once we achieve it, are we happy? Yeah, for a little while, absolutely. Absolutely, it feels great when we, whenever we have these, these events happen. But then we always thirst for more. This type of happiness is fleeting. And it is based entirely on our circumstances. But as we all know, we cannot control our circumstances as best as and as hard as we try. And so what happens to this happiness? It goes away. And we're so, we're so thirsting for we try to find it again. St. Paul in Philippians chapter 4, verse 4, he builds off what G.K. Chesterton said. Christian, Paul says, I say to you, rejoice. Rejoice always. That means, he says, the Christian is supposed to rejoice in good times and in bad. How can that happen then if our circumstances change? Ah, because that's because for the Christian, our happiness is not rooted in our circumstances, but rather is rooted in something else. Yesterday, I had the great honor and pleasure of presiding at a wedding. We've begun our wedding season here at St. Mary's. We have 30 weddings coming up, by the way, in the next couple months. And we kicked off our first wedding yesterday. And if I can, I want to introduce to you. I already checked with them, so they prepared themselves. I said, can I embarrass you at Mass today? And said, oh, go ahead. If I introduce to you the new married couple, Justine and Zach McKenna. Please stand, Justine and Zach, in front here. Uh, Zach, here's a big guy, obviously, big tough guy. He wept at mass yesterday, or at the, at the wedding. <laughs> wept like a baby. Good. <laughs> As he saw his bride walking down this long aisle. This is a big year for this new family. Not only did they get married here in the church, but they bought a house as well, moving in. They get the keys on Monday, tomorrow. And then also, Zach, this Easter vigil, will be baptized 
confirm that receive his first Holy Communion. As part of the wedding preparations, I, I always ask wedding or the engaged couple to share with me their stories so I can weave, especially in my homily at the wedding, part of their beautiful romantic story. This is what Justine wrote, by the way. And again, I already had her permission to read this. <laughs> she writes this. One of my favorite love stories between us is the one that is happening right now with us and Jesus Christ. We came to church one random Sunday last fall, a year after losing our daughter, Madeline. Exhausted from every effort to heal, So there, she, there, there, there they were. They walked in here randomly on a Sunday, which is, by the, way, by the way, I'm always amazed whenever you show up here. And I'm always honored and privileged when you walk here, in here because I have no idea right now what's happening in your lives. I look out and I see all your eyeballs staring at me. And I know many of you are carrying tremendous burdens that nobody else knows about. And so I know how hard your, your life can be. And so I'm always, whenever, whenever I preside at Mass, I'm always mindful of that sensitivity. And here is Justine and Zach. They come in here on a random Sunday. Their heart, of course, broken. These parents in here know what kind of tremendous heartache that can bring to lose a child. And then all of a sudden, and I'll continue she says, and there you were speaking directly to us. We were hooked and just had to know more. And here we are on Zach's journey to become Catholic, and our marriage will grow stronger through God. So at that moment at Mass, the Holy Spirit was working, strikes their hearts, and now look at the fruit. Had their marriage, they're blessed in church. Zach was about to be baptized in a few short weeks. And now they're striving to build their relationship not on circumstances, but rather on a person. Joy is the gigantic secret of the Christian. Because our joy is not rooted in what happens in our lives. Because if our joy, again, if our joy is simply all the good things that happen, we're going to be disappointed. You can be the richest, the most beautiful person on earth, but guess what? You can't control life. So our joy must be rooted in something more eternal. This gospel today reveals why the Christian rejoices always. There's a blind man in Jerusalem, and Jesus comes and says, 
and they're all struggling with Jesus. There's Jesus, there's a blind man. Who sinned, him or his parents? Because at that time period, they thought sin, if you were inflicted with a disease, that somehow you had sinned and God is punishing you. So that was, that, that's the background of this conversation. And Jesus boldly says, I am the light of the world. And notice what Jesus does next. It is utterly strange here. Jesus spits on the ground and made clay with his saliva and smeared the clay on this man's eyes. For the first century Jew, this little detail of Jesus spitting on the ground and making mud and smearing it on the guy's face is profound. For us, for 21st century people, we see Jesus spitting on the ground and rubbing in your face. We're like, ah, Jesus, germs. <laughs> ah, not for the first century Jew. Jesus spitting on the ground and making mud, smearing his guy's face. The first century Jew immediately would have linked it. Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2 is the story of God creating Adam. Remember that beautiful story, God creates the earth, and he takes the dust of the, of, of the earth, the dirt, and it says in Genesis 2, he breathes and gives Adam the breath of life. So for the first century Jew, God taking mud and breathing into it is the creation of humanity. So by Jesus spitting on the ground and making mud, it would have immediately invoked the creation of Adam. And then the next detail. Go wash in the pool of Siloam. The pool of Siloam was a famous pool in the middle of Jerusalem. And if you are going on our parish pilgrimage to the Holy Land this November, we have 63 people, by the way, going to the Holy Land this November. We will go to the pool of Siloam. Archaeologists found this a few years ago. And we'll go there and we'll, we'll reread the scripture at the exact site Jesus performed this miracle. He says, the pool, go to the pool of Siloam, bathe yourself from that muddy spittle that I smeared on your face in that pool. Siloam was filled, this pool, from a natural spring called Gohim. Gohim is the name of a river in the Garden of Eden, in Genesis chapter 2, verse 13, which flowed through the garden. So immediately, the first century Jew would have said, hmm, Jesus is recapitulating, remaking Genesis. His eyes now opened. Jesus heals him. And all of a sudden, as, as, as this new man is restored, the next line says, when everybody were amazed at this beggar now, he's able to see. Everyone says, are you the one that used to sit and beg? Quoting from the gospel. And then now this once blind man says this, I am. This is the only place in sacred scripture where this title, I am, is used by someone other than God. I am is the divine name that Moses received on Mount Sinai in Exodus 19. 
Remember when Moses asked God, God, what is your name? And God revealed it. Ehi asher ehi. I am who am. Jesus takes this title in the Gospel of John and applies it to himself. Now all of a sudden, this man who has been healed, remade, remade new again, now says, I am. Meaning, all of us as Christians who have been baptized into the body of Christ, we are now made new and we share in God's divine nature. There it is. This, my friends, is the foundation of Christian joy. To grow in understanding of our relationship with the living God. To grow in our faith. This is the secret, the gigantic secret of the Christian. Once we realize that our joy is rooted in our relationship with Jesus Christ, no matter what happens in our lives, everything can be falling apart. The Christian stands against the storm. And he say, oh, Father, then why are Christians so sad? <laughs> why, don't I, why don't I see Christians running around in joy? It's a great question. Mother Teresa family said that joy is a great net by which you can catch a great many of fish. Right? Joy is a great witness to a world that does not believe in God. So, Father, how do we get this joy? I'll quickly lay out two paths to this joy. First one, I invite you to confession. This Wednesday, we have our penance service here at the parish at 6.30. We'll have 10 priests here and many of them speak Spanish. So if you want to go to a confession in Spanish, I know my Spanish is horrible. I have a second grade level of Spanish. Our Spanish parishioners know that. I, I talk like a second grader. Come to confession this Wednesday. We have 10 priests available. Second, pray like a saint. Pray with your heart. This joy will constantly elude us if we're simply casual Catholics. Joy will not come through casual mediocrity. It only comes through a Christian who relies totally on God for everything. A Christian who is on his knees, a Christian who prays, a Christian who knows and delves deeper into the Word, a Christian who is rooted in the sacraments. It takes a living relationship with Jesus Christ to achieve this joy. It will not happen by accident. It takes hard grit to do this. If we want to achieve this joy, it will only come through a living relationship with Jesus Christ. And then we can be like this blind man. And then we can be like St. Paul. And no matter what happens, the Christian We'll always just smile, no matter what happens, because as long as we have Christ. 